0: Podcast
1: one. Who's been your favorite guest and why? What's something even your friends don't know about you? If you had only 20 minutes a day to market your business, what would you do? These are just three of the questions you wonderful listeners have sent in and which I'm about to answer. It's a milestone episode 500 of the award-winning small business big marketing podcast.
0: Say, welcome to small business marketing show where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now here's your host, Mr. Timbo
1: Reed, and welcome back to your weekly dose of questionable celebrations. I'm your host. Timbo Reed, you, infinitely more importantly, you're a motivated business owner, ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And if that's not enough and you're itching to fast track your marketing, then let's get personal with a one-on-one coaching session, which you can book over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Big episode today. So big that I've turned it over to you, my precious, precious listener, by answering a plethora of marketing and personal questions you've sent me over the past few weeks. As per usual, team, there's marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketings HQ. So let's get stuck right in. <laughs> Before we do get stuck in, just a reminder about the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe, which is a free Facebook group I've set up. Now, it's laser-focused on helping you grow that beautiful business of yours, into the empire it deserves to be through some smart marketing conversations. It's a place to share your experiences. You can ask me questions. You can ask Lukey questions, my old co-host, Lukey's in there as well, and help others, other business owners, I should say, in the areas of customer service, search engine optimization, PPC, customer experience, websites, social media, any marketing related topic. I think you're going to love it. And as I said, myself and Luke will be in there most days having conversations with you. Search for Small Business Big Marketing Tribe on Facebook. Now, for as long as it takes, I am going to read these wonderful questions you've sent me in and provide my points of view, my opinions. Please seek advice (laughs) from (laughs) <laughs> from a smart marketing professional before you choose to act on any of the ideas I'm about to share. You with me? All right. Let's start with this one from Gil Walker from Opsis. And Gil asks, Timbo, why is marketing to the C-suite so difficult? Now, for you small business owners who don't know what the C-suite is, I don't think I did till a couple of years ago. It's like CEOs, you know, CMOs. CFOs, all that stuff. Chief executive officers. I call myself a CEO of my business. I'm a chief everything officer. So back to Gil. Why, and sorry, there won't be too many dad jokes, I promise. Why is marketing to C suite so difficult? Uh, possibly, Gil, because you are going about it the wrong way. Now, I did an interview a few months ago with a fellow, Stu Hynek, who wrote a tremendous book called Get the Meeting. It was episode 482. It was an absolute cracker. Now, the three things that I took away from that were, number one, get creative with personalization. When you personalize an approach to someone, particularly a C-suite person, they're more likely to sit up and take notice. The second point Stu made was be grateful for executive assistants. Now, sometimes we can see them as Dobermans, and you've heard me talk about, you know, trying to get past the Dobermans before. But befriend the executive assistant. Find out what problems they have, find out what interests they have, and then personalize your approach to them. And again, you're going to give yourself a better chance of getting through to that person in the C suite. And the third thing is create content and invite influences on as guests. I love this one. So imagine, Gil, that you go and create a podcast or you go and create a YouTube channel or you go and create a blog. And then you approach that person in the C suite with a request to interview them. Hey, because right now you're approaching them with a request to sell to them. Don't do that. Ask them to be interviewed. Everybody loves to be interviewed. And I tell you what, in my experience, Nine, nine and a half out of 10 people will say yes to that. There's also another episode I'd love you to look at um, over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. It was with Steve Sims. And one of Steve's Steve's clients is Elton John. And he talks about how he got Elton John as a client and all the Dobermans and the baby Dobermans he had to get through in order to get to Rocket Man himself. That was episode 452. Gil, Great question. Good luck. Next question. This is from Andrew Sturgis of Pepper's Cafe and Catering. And and, Andrew, you've reached out to me before. That's a very familiar business name to me. Andrew asks, Timbo, if you had a budget of $300 a month, how would you invest in marketing a cafe or restaurant uh, that also has a catering side? Well, first of all, Andrew, sometimes I wonder how cafes and restaurants make money. I don't understand the business model of a lot of them. I know right now that's a really difficult thing to say because of COVID and, you know, so many are under the pump. Totally get that. But in normal times, one of the things I would do, and this is putting aside the 300 bucks, But I reckon every cafe and restaurant should have a signature dish that you are absolutely famous for to the point that people are blogging about you. They can't wait to get in to get that Instagram photo to put it on their food porn Instagram. You know, you are the talk of the town. It might be as simple as the most amazing egg and bacon roll, right? But make it amazing. Don't just slap a roll together with a bit of egg and bacon. So signature dish, right? Love that one. The other thing I would do with your 300 bucks, run monthly, and I'm going to call them getting to know your sessions, right? So spend the $300 on catering and get customers, past customers, existing customers to come in and do these little research groups, these little focus groups and say, what do you love about coming here? What don't you like about coming here? If you owned this cafe, what would you do? You know, and ask some questions that, you know, you might find difficult to ask because you don't want to hear the answers, but that is where the magic lies, right? And I don't think enough businesses spend time getting to know their customer and asking those tough questions. So, Andrew, great question, buddy, and I wish you all the luck with your 300 bucks. If that doesn't work, just send me 300 bucks a month. This question is from Tina Hughes of Tina And she asks, what is the best video marketing technique you've used or heard of which works great for small businesses? Oh, there's so many. I've had a lot of success recently, Tina, on LinkedIn, uh, where I do a little teaser video of each upcoming episode of my podcast. Very candid. What I was doing was I would, like, for example, I interviewed a fellow a few weeks ago who owns a swimming pool coaching clinic. Brenton Ford, his name was, he owns Effortless Swimming. And at the end of it, I went home after the interview, hopped in my little pool <laughs> and standing there in my budgie smugglers, did a little video talking about the upcoming episode with the swimming coach. So it was kind of relevant to the interview topic. And, you know, um, it got a bit of a laugh. I was a little bit sunburned. So most of the comments I got was, oh, Timbo, you got to slip, slop, slap more. But, you know, it got a lot of engagement. In fact, I hashtag, I did a hashtag marketing and it got to the number one spot on LinkedIn for marketing. Another really good video marketing strategy I've seen is with past guest Darren Finkelstein of St Kilda Boat Sales. Episode 222, Darren is a, uh, I'll, I'll summarize it and you can listen to the episode for the detail, but basically Darren, two-man boat show, sells buys, services, high-end motorboats. With his iPhone and a $60 lapel mic, he would go down to the foreshore every Thursday morning and do a weather report saying, this is what the weather looks like for the coming weekend and how it's going to affect your boating experience. He'd upload it to YouTube, put it across, grab the embed code and put it across as a blog post on his website. He would grab the link from that page on his website and emailed it out to a database of about 8,000 that he'd collected over the years. And people loved it. Now, it increased his business in the first year by 35% in a pretty tough economy, selling high-end motorboats. Uh, But what it also did was it positioned him as an expert. And to this day, Darren is the beach and bay weather reporter on a leading talkback radio station in Melbourne. This is from a guy who owns a two-man boat show. He's written books as a result, and it really has encouraged him to embrace his marketing. So I love that. I think the learning there is put yourself out there, make yourself an opinion leader, and video is very good for doing that. Thanks for your question, Tina. Righto, next question is from David Gunn of Composite Solutions New Zealand Limited. And David says, what is the biggest learning you have had about yourself in putting out your podcast 500 times? Awesome work, Timbo. Thank you. When I need some marketing gold, I listen, then take action. We have more regular customers now than we know what to do with. That is awesome. Uh, Biggest learning, Dave, great question. One of them is, and I think I knew this anyway, but I had it confirmed, is that I love Helping small business owners. I come from my family tree, and I've, I've I've investigated this. My family tree is full of employees. Right? There's no there's no employers. There's no business owners. So I always wonder, you know, why do I look at you guys with such awe? And I think that's it, because it just it isn't in my blood. Now, I've been a business owner myself for over 10 years, and I and I get you guys now. But I absolutely love helping you. Now, a little insight that many people don't know. Originally, when I started the Small Business, Big Marketing podcast, I set myself up as a marketing expert. But as the years have gone on, I've got more comfortable seeing myself as a conduit, almost a journalist who identifies people who I think are great marketers and have incredible business stories. And that's why I put the show together to get those stories out and to inspire you guys and then drill it down into an inspiring marketing conversation and find out, you know, what role has marketing played in their success? So they're a couple of the biggest learnings uh, I've had during the course of the first 500 episodes. Thanks, Dave. Righto. Next question as he rattles the paper, pulling it out of his uh, compendium. It's from Ian McCallum of WayStation. Now, I had, to, I had to Google what, I had to look at his website to find out waysta- what WayStation is. It's a mobile caravan and vehicle weighing service. Hey, love a niche. Ian asks, how do I build market share in a business that has few, if any, repeat customers due to the nature of the business? Excellent question, Ian. Not easy, but not impossible. The first thing I would do, and maybe you've done it, but exhaust the market locally and nationally. I don't know. I couldn't tell from your website whether you're operating just in a local area. But if you're not operating nationally think about franchising the business out or offering licenses to people in other states and regions to do it. And then you're going to really exhaust you know, the market. On top of that, consider brand extensions, right? So what else? You know, you're in the caravan, I guess, caravan and camping business, right? So what else could you offer to people who have that interest? Things like maybe a caravan cleaning service, maybe caravan cleaning products, what you could do is you could become an affiliate for other caravan related products. So what that means is simply you take a commission um, by selling them. That could be an e-commerce part of your website. It doesn't even have to be face-to-face, although when you are going to weigh someone's caravan, um, you could offer them but have a little e-commerce site on the side that sells caravan related products. And all of a sudden you're going to introduce additional revenue streams that you never thought of. Ian, you're welcome. Daniel Bennett. Now there was no company name and only an Outlook email address on your email, Daniel. You very naughty boy. You know how I feel about that. I love a nice succinct Email uh, signature. There wasn't even an email signature. Anyway, I digress. Daniel asks After 500 guests, do you believe being tech savvy is over or underrated to achieving your small business goals? In one word, Daniel, overrated. Buddy, buddy, buddy. Like being tech savvy is kind of cool, I suppose, but it's not, you know, mission critical to running a small business. A, cash flow allowing. Find others to you know run your website or do your videos or your editing, and I get you know that does cost money, but there are so many ways you can do that these days with websites like Upwork and Fiverr, and you know all those sites where you can find freelancers from all over the world doing it. Uh, But mate, leave the tech aside. So often tech can be a bright shiny object that takes your eye off. Creating a great product, creating world's best a world's best service, creating an incredible customer experience, focusing on the things that are going to get you customers. You know, be tech savvy if you're like an IT an IT company or something. But mate, if you're not, then leave that to the experts. Next question comes from Carly Hitchcock of NecoBox. Box. Necco Box Shop. I should have had a look to see what Carly does. It doesn't matter. She asks, how do you know, Timbo, when to let go of your business for good? Well, it's a fair question. I hope you're doing all right, Carly. You know, in this day of COVID-19, maybe Necco Box, I don't know. Is it still around? I hope so. But my answer to your question is, A, when you no longer love it. <laughs> if it is not doing it for you, then get out, right? Life's too short find something that you are passionate about, find something that's going to make a difference to you and the world. Small business should be fun, Carly. The other thing is know the difference between a dip and a hole, okay? Now, if you want to understand that, Seth Godin's book, The Dip, which is a little book that teaches you when to quit and when to stick, Is Excellent. So pretty much I'd encourage you to read that, but you know, you just got to be clear. Is this just a little dip where I'm going to come out of it bigger, better, brighter than ever, or am I really in a hole and it is time to get out? Hope that helps you, Carly. Great question. How are we going team? I hope there's value in here for you. So many questions across so many different topics. So there will be something in here for you. I promise. This one's from Julie Mounter of All Minds Psychology. Uh, now, that's, his, that's a familiar name too. Julie, I think you've been a long-time listener, or at least that business has. Julie asks, if I was to spend $1,000 on marketing, where do you think I would get the best bang for my buck? Okay, so we're upping it now. We've gone from 300 bucks with Pepper's Cafe to 1000 bucks with a psychology clinic. I am a big one on creating content, Julie. I think in this day and age... Every business is a bit extreme to say every business, but a lot of business owners should consider positioning themselves as an expert with either a blog, a podcast, a YouTube channel, a series of eBooks, a series of white papers, whatever it is. Now, I talk a lot about this in my book, The Boomerang Effect, and take you through the process. But if you like the idea of creating content then the first thing you've got to do is get clear on what I call your editorial mission. Many of you would have heard me speak about this before. Answer these three simple questions. What have you got to offer? To who? And what outcome can they expect? Okay. The editorial mission for the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast is marketing tips and tricks for small service-based business owners to generate more warm inquiry. Okay, Now, now that I know that that's my editorial mission, that puts a fence around the content that I create. You're not going to hear me talk about cash flow. You're not going to hear me talk about human resources. I'm going to talk about marketing tips and tricks, okay? And then I go and do that through a podcast. I would encourage you to do the same thing. If you need to understand that more, go over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com and buy my book, The Boomerang Effect. It's only $1,500 a copy. <laughs> No, it's not. It's not at all. It's 1,200 bucks. It's not. It's 30. And then create some great content, okay? And then the trick is to market your marketing, okay? So once you've created a podcast or whatever it may be, get it out there via social media, via your email signature, put a link to it on your brochures, tell your customers about it, put a little card in the waiting room of your clinic, etc. Hope that helps, Julie. Ah, next question is from Glenn Azar. Long-time listener, also past guest. He is of the business Adventure Professionals, and boy, oh, boy, is he an inspiring individual. He has walked the Kokoda Track. He's walked it like tens and tens of times. I think his daughter was the youngest female to ever walk it. Anyway, I digress. Inspiring fellow. He had a great quote in the episode I did with him. It was, um... We're finding our way to death much too safely or something like that. It sounded very dour, but I found it quite uplifting. Anyway, Glenn asks, I know businesses need to be on social media in this day and age, but I'm wondering what if you're a business that can't afford someone to do your social content for you? Do you use a social scheduling tool? And what amount of time would you dedicate just to your social media content? Okay. Now Glenn, you know because you're a long time listener and many of you are that social my view on social media I'm torn. I'm the father of three, well, they're not teenagers anymore, but I've brought up three teenagers and I hate social media. On the other hand, as a small business marketing guy, social media can be amazing, but I do see too many business owners getting distracted by it, thinking that it's the silver bullet that's going to solve all their marketing problems and all they need to do is get on Facebook or Insta or whatever it may be, and they're going to have more customers than they know what to do with. Now, many of you know that is not the case. But here's some things. Social media is made up of two words, the first one being social, okay? So be social on it. Don't don't yell at people by saying, you know, buy from me, buy now, closing soon. Share some stuff. And importantly, treat each platform differently. this is a Gary Vaynerchuk learning that I picked up on his, from his book Jab 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 right hook and Gary explained that each platform is different. you know Facebook is a party. people go there to see who's with who what they're eating, what they're wearing what they're doing. so have a party like conversation make it light, make it fun whereas LinkedIn, it's like a networking event. You can have more of a business discussion and you can use business language. And you wouldn't post the same thing that you put on Facebook directly on LinkedIn. You'd tweak it ever so slightly. So I think that's a really important learning. Treat each platform differently. And and do you question, Glenn, I wouldn't use a scheduling tool. Get into the habit of creating content that you know people are gonna really love and engage with. And that'll encourage you To put something out, you know, once a day, once every few days. Research other businesses that you like and see what they're doing and learn from them. And if they're not in the same industry as you, give them a buzz and have a chat to the business owner. I think the more us business owners, our small business owners, can talk between each other, and that's why I've created the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe Facebook group the, the better the idea generation is going to be. So Glenn, I hope that helps buddy. And thanks as always for your ongoing support. Next question is from Phil Burgess of Viking Strength. And Phil asks, how have you managed to keep the podcasts going? I have done podcasts in the past and repeatedly ran out of steam. What's your secret Timbo? It's a great question, Phil. Uh, knowing it makes a difference is really cool. You know, for the first, however many episodes, you're sort of talking down a mic and wondering if anyone's listening. And then I remember what started happening was I got the odd listener review on iTunes and a five-star rating. Then I got an email from someone or someone hit me up on Twitter. And then all of a sudden I got an, you know, someone asked me to speak at an event and I thought, wow, this is really quite exciting. And it is making a difference and people are listening. So that kept me going and getting, you know, emails from you guys really keeps me going. You know, I love it. Don't get a lot. It's funny, you know, like I think you've heard me before complain sometimes like, oh, you know, it's emailing me. But, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I don't exactly email every podcaster that I listen to either. So I get it. But I can assure you as a podcast host, Receiving an email from a listener is, is absolutely gold. Podcasting has been very good to me. Uh, it's created an entire speaking career. So about five years ago, I got approached by a speaker's bureau, I didn't even know what a speakers bureau was back then. <clears throat> and they said there was a client in Sydney that wants you to, you know, speak on a road show that they've got. I had no idea what a roadshow was either. Long story short, um, it was a big insurance company. I did an eight city roadshow for them. They flew me around Australia, all expenses paid, spoke at a conference uh, in each state. And I uh, thought, wow, this is really cool. And that led to an entire speaking career at conferences. So that sort of kept me going. And then the other thing is, I'm not sure what else I do. You know, I I love the medium of podcasting. Um, I love the fact that it's making a difference to business owners' lives. And I guess I've just found something that, you know, sets me on fire. Uh, and and I think too, you said you run out of steam, Phil, clearly you were doing something that wasn't sitting on fire. So maybe next time go through that editorial mission process that I explained in the previous question. And that might help you narrow in on something that, you know, you love doing in regards to podcasting. Thanks for the question, Phil. Leanne Drew is our next asker of a question. She is from Mad Mumsy beers with a minor podcast. Okay, Leanne, I remember you. I met you at the podcast awards and hence your question. Timbo, what was it like being host of the Australian Podcast Awards in front of heaps of fellow podcasters? Well, that is a very, very interesting question, Leanne. Uh, Bottom line is I loved it. I was quite scared in the lead up to the first one uh, because it was actually the inaugural podcast awards three years ago. Um, So it was a little bit nerve wracking. Then the one in, that was in Sydney, the one in Melbourne. So it was a home game for me because I was living in Melbourne at the time. That was okay. Now I'll let you into a little secret because I won the category, the business category, the small business, big marketing podcast won the best business and market management show in Australia at the second year. I was the MC for that. So I actually had to walk off the stage and let someone announce the finalists and draw the winner and all that. So that was a bit awkward. What was particularly awkward was I was going through a marriage separation uh, during that time. And the night of those podcast awards, I was right in the middle of probably a pretty low time in my life. So it was a classic example of the show must go on. But I look back at the photo of myself holding my trophy in front of the Australian Podcast Awards lectern on the stage, and I can see a very deep sadness in my eyes. But You know, the show did go on and I kind of hid that, but I was glad to get home. (laughs) I slept very well that night knowing I'd won. But there you go. That was a little behind the scenes. You don't need to feel sorry for me. Life's good. Everything gets better. Uh, And so, yeah, there you go, Leanne. I hope that answers your question. And you go on to say you got a selfie with me, which, you know, I'm sorry. I hope you've deleted it from your phone. Thanks, Leanne. Next question is from Amanda Paul of Brand Injection. She says, I'm a copywriter. I niched into real estate last year. I find real estate agents in larger cities seem to understand the value of professional copy for listings, bios, blogs, marketing materials. But in my regional area, I'm finding budgets a bit more restrictive and the value of my services aren't as recognized. Do you have any advice on how I can penetrate my target market better and get more traction. I think you should, Amanda, prove your worth through case studies. Okay? You're a writer, so you're going to find this really, really easy. I would have a series of case studies that you can pull out that address all sorts of different problems. And I'm going to give you a three-step structure. Step one is detail the client's problem who came to you in the first place saying, hey, Amanda, we've got this problem. Can you solve it? Step two in your case study is describe the solution that you presented your client and that they implemented. Step three is state where they are now. So basically, client came to me with this problem. I offered them this solution and here's where they are now okay, and clearly where they are now, because it's a case study, is that they're a whole lot better off for your services. And I would have five, six, seven case studies that you can pull out in different circumstances. They're like testimonials, I guess, in a way on steroids. In fact, you could add a testimonial to the bottom of it. I'd put them on your website. I would print them as A4 PDFs um, and I would hand them out when you meet future prospects. Great question, Amanda. Hope that helps. Next question, it's from Steve-O, Amanda Stevens, a fellow mate up in Noosa and a great friend, past guest, fellow speaker. In fact, I would say Amanda's possibly the best marketing speaker in Australia. And Amanda asks, Timbo, who's your all-time favourite guest apart from me, she says. (laughs) Now, guys, I have had this question asked by many, many, many of you. So I'm only going to read it once, but I'm going to answer it here for all of you. There is no one answer to that. It's like saying, who's your favorite child? I can't tell you. Well, I probably can, but they're listening and they'd get upset if I said one over the other. You know what I mean? But let me tell you some past episodes that left a real imprint on me. Melanie Perkins of Canva incredible, incredible story. 31 year old girl from Western Australia, whose business is now valued, I think as of today at about 4.6 billion, not million, billion dollars. Awesome story. And she was so giving. And I remember going to her office in Sydney, I did the interview face to face. And for me, I thought, wow, you know, this podcast has made it in a sense when I'm getting people like Melanie Perkins to um, be willing to give me a, an hour of her time. So I was quite chuffed. Tom Dixon of Willet Blend fame. That was an awesome interview years and years ago. He was one of the first small businesses that went viral on YouTube. He has a brand called Willet Blend. He makes these amazing blenders. He is an engineer by trade. And the way he markets the blenders is if you go to the Willett Blend YouTube channel, he stands there in a white lab coat and goggles and holds up like an iPhone or a hockey puck or a bunch of luminous, you know, uh, wristbands. And he says will it blend? And then he puts them in the blender and he blends them. like He literally blends iPhones and PS4s and all sorts of crazy stuff. And the extreme product demonstration strategy is how he markets the business. And he was very giving in that interview. Um, Recent interview with Peter Lorimer, the real estate agent from Beverly Hills, who had in a previous life produced 30 billboard number ones with the like of pink and seal... (laughs) He said no to George Michael, and now he's selling homes to them. He's not selling homes to George Michael, the late George Michael. I loved him. Uh, But he's now selling homes to them with his real estate agent, Bill Hughes, and he's got a show on Netflix. That was an incredibly inspiring story. Cedar Anderson, the hippie from Byron Bay, who'd rather be wearing no clothes and walking around the hills at the back of Byron Bay, but instead he's invented a beehive that we can all have at home, and now he's a multimillionaire with his old man. That was an incredible episode. I ended up having lunch with him and his team at his home in Byron Bay. We were fully clothed from the waist up. Uh, ben Goodfellow, tradies underwear. Great story. How he made, how he created a household name in a matter of years from scratch. Paddy Lund, the dentist from Brisbane who came very close to killing himself and then asked himself a question, what would make me happy? And he, he, he remained a business. He remained a dentist, but he sacked 75% of his clients. He took down his, his signage. He got a private number. He cooked cinnamon buns in the clinic to hide the Novocaine smell. That was an incredible interview. And now he lives in Thailand, just living the high life. Wally Corley, the guy who owns the roast chicken shop in outer Melbourne, nearly lost everything. And now he's a social media legend. So there's some interviews and episodes that have really had a big impact on me, Amanda. And judging by your emails, you're getting something from each of them. So thanks for the question, Stevo. Next question is from Anna Smith of the Schmidt Corp. And she says, what are the top three things you've taken away from these 500 different experiences, Timbo? Uh, that's a great question, Anna. Number one, people love to be interviewed. There is no question about that. Number two, small business owners in my mind are absolutely amazing. Each and every one of you having a crack at creating a business that you love in the hope that many for many of you it will become an empire. And the third thing is careful who you listen to. You know, this is both an interview learning from many successful business owners that I've spoken to where, you know, they really listen to their heart. Some of them look at the data, some of them do both, but they're careful not to listen to everyone else, family, friends, colleagues, because everyone's got an opinion right? So sometimes you just got to trust what you do. And so many great ideas have come from that. You know, it's like Steve Jobs wouldn't have gone around to all his mates and said, what do you think about this idea? It's a little white box where we're going to put a thousand songs on it and you can throw away all your records. People would have gone, Jobs, you're mad. But the rest is history. Great question, Anna. Thank you. Next question, Scott Pendlebury, long time listener. Of renovatorstore.com.au, Scott says, as a small business, we are inundated daily by unsolicited pitches to get us to number one at Google or increase our sales or you know save hours with this new technology. How should we filter the snake oil and BS from the good value advice that is worth exploring? That's a great question, Scott. I would say spend time identifying aspects of other businesses that you admire. So if you Google a particular you know, industry, and then there's obviously the business that's ranking number one organically, contact the business owner and ask how they've done it. And they might say, oh, we've got this awesome SEO team in Brisbane, or we've got a, you know, whatever, or we've got an in-house SEO expert. Um, Maybe there's a logo that you love. Find out who designed it. Maybe you come across a YouTube channel for a business that's gone. Oh, that is mind blowing. Well, ring the business owner and ask them who did it. I think that's a better way than all this stuff. You know, if people are sending you spammy emails, do you really want to work with them? I'd suggest not. Timbo, if you could only afford twenty minutes a day to generate new business, what would you do? Ah, oh, that's from Tara Jacobson of Growy, G R O E I. That's easy, Peter Lorimer. In a recent episode, he's that real estate agent in Beverly Hills, had the 666 rule, which freaked a lot of people out. It's like, that's the number of the beast. You can make it the 777 rule, or if you're Chinese, the 888 rule, because like that's the magical number. My, The point is, the rule is make six calls a day, send six texts a day, and write and send six emails a day. And that's your 666 rule. Now, who are they to? they are to existing customers, past customers and future customers and just keep getting yourself out there. That'll take you 20 minutes and I think you'll be very surprised by the ROI. Emma Rhodes from Culture Shift. She says Timbo, where do you see content marketing heading? I don't know about you, but I'm sure sick of seeing the same old crap everywhere, says Emma. I think we've really lost the art of marketing, so I'm keen to see your take on the future of getting new customers. I hear this a lot, Emma. I hear people go, oh, you know, you're telling me to create content, but there's so much content out there. When I do a Google search, it says there's like 10,583,000 results. Don't worry about it. That's not going to change. There will always be content. Your challenge, Emma, is to create meaningful, helpful content in a medium that you love identify the problems of your prospects and customers and go about solving them with really helpful, meaningful content. And here is the magic potion to sprinkle a little bit on. Be yourself, be personable and put some personality into it, right? People say to me, you know, why is your show so successful? Because there's a little bit of personality in there. And I found that intersection between education and entertainment. And I would encourage you to do the same, Emma. Don't get tricked by the fact that there's so much content out there that it's just not worth creating any. You just create the best content for your industry and for your customers. And then you'll be a winner, Emma. Martin, with no surname of Stonehouse Financial Services, who lives in Noosa. He's a local boy. Asks, Tim, over the past few episodes, it would be, appear that you have taken up ocean swimming, painting, and expanded your ice cream fetish. <laughs> That's very true. I forget how much of myself I give away, Martin. He says, do you feel that you have achieved a work-life balance? And if so, what caused this? What I would say is that to all you small business owners who are not finding any time to work on yourself, you're getting it wrong. Okay you've got to step back. The first thing I would do at the start of every week is block out time for you. Block out your gym session, block out date night, block out whatever it is that is going to bring you joy and get some endorphins racing through that body of yours so that then you can address that beautiful business of yours and then build it into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. Next question, Paul, no surname, Liberty Marketing is his company. Short question, How do you manage client expectations, Timbo? Well, Paul, tell them what your expectations are, how you like to work. I used to work for a business, or it was a big business, but my manager in this business always said to me, Timbo, no surprises. Never surprise me. Keep me informed. Tell me what you're doing. Tell me your expectations of me. And I've always stuck to that. So I just think a good, honest chat up front, Paul, is the best medicine for that. Next question is from Cameron Harris. He says, how do you deal with faster growth in a skills-based industry with a lack of skills from potential employees that need to hit the ground running? Cameron, listen to my episode with Michael Gerber, who wrote The E-Myth. It's all about setting up great systems so that when a new employee comes into your business, there's a series of videos or audios or worksheets or whatever that they can read for every single process and system that they need to adhere to. The other part of that, that sounds like a little bit cold, humanise that by having them partner up with an existing staff member and make that a little, package that up, frame it as a bit of a promotion for the existing staff member to say, hey, listen, you're so good at what you do. We've got someone new starting. Could you look after them and sort of show them the ropes? And that way, everyone's a winner. Thanks, Cameron. This one's from Nikki Grummit of Gravilla Law. Oh, she's a lawyer. Nikki says, what's the best way to communicate your marketing strategy and updates to your team once you've done all the hard work, Timbo? Well, Nikki, I just sit them down and share it. But even better than that, bring them along for the ride, okay? So if you've got a big marketing strategy you're about to launch, maybe seed some of it along the way, give them a little taste of what you're working on and planning and what they can expect because it's the clients, your clients and prospects that are going to see it. So whilst it'd be great to sit down and share it with them at the end, take them along for the ride and that way everyone is going to know what's going on and what's coming up. Thanks, Nikki. Episode 500, hey? Like we don't do this every week. Get back to interviews. I hope you're seeing value in a team. This one's from David Patterson. Long-time listener. Sylvan Ridge Business Advisors is David's business. Do you think accountants should market in a conservative manner or is the time right to be creative? David, be creative, brother. Do things differently. Accountants, yeah, you've got a reputation of being boring. Be yourself, Okay, I had a mortgage broker. I have a mortgage broker, Grant. And I said, You know, you should do videos, Grant. You're really good. You're very educational. You know what you're doing. He goes, I'm too boring for that. I said, Exactly. Be boring. I don't want my mortgage broker to be some crazy clown like figure. I want him to be like the bloke from Goodwill Hunting, you know, the mathematician. And Grant did that. He does these awesome series of videos where like he is, he's like the numbers guy. Like spreadsheets to him are porn. And that's what I want. I want a guy to be into his numbers if he's going to be my mortgage broker. And that's personality. Being adding personality doesn't mean necessarily being funny or being over the top. It means being yourself and bringing people in because you are being personable. So yes, David Get creative, do things differently, add some personality to your wonderful brand. Louise Thompson of Global People 2 ask, what's your view on the use on white papers to promote work that you do? Now, for those of you who don't know, a white paper is like an authoritative report or guide that informs readers about a complex issue and allows you, the business owner, to provide your own opinion. Louise, have a listen to Matt Barnett's interview. He's from Bonjoro, did it a few weeks ago. He loves them. It was episode 496. Um, he'd recently done a playbook, he called it, which is essentially a white paper of 30 tried and tested ways of using his video marketing app called Bonjuro and it was awesome. And they do two deep, extensive white papers each year and get great results. Next question is from Murphy Saquira of NVMS Solutions. Timbo, what chunk of a marketing budget should a business spend on exhibitions in 2020? (laughs) None right now. Yeah, Uh, but when things get back to normal, um, I don't have a percentage for you, Murphy, but um, find out if exhibitions work, Uh, do one, figure out what type of return you're going to get. If you can spend a dollar and get, you know, five back, then keep doing them. But go and have a look at exhibitions and look at the trade, the the exhibitors uh, who are doing well and ask them what they're spending would be the best bet. Thanks, Murphy. Next question is from Daniel Monday. Daniel, you've been a great supporter of this show over the years. Thanks, buddy. Uh, even got me a nice little discount at a hotel in Thailand last year because Daniel is a spa designer, you know, like day spas in fancy resorts. DPM Performance is his business. Timbo, what would you say has been the biggest reasons for you making it this far? Was it a struggle at first? When did you feel that you'd made it as a podcaster? Sort of touched on that earlier. Was it a struggle at first? No, it wasn't a struggle at first. I loved it. Like it was so exciting because I had access to this awesome radio studio down in Melbourne and, you know, felt like I was king of the kids, but um, there have been peaks and troughs along the way where it has become a struggle just because, you know, like anything, you know, you can't always be up and there are times I've gone, okay, I've got to get another episode out and that's a bit of a struggle, but then you get an email from a listener like you and that just encourages you to keep going. So, um, and I love it, Daniel. I love the difference it's making. This one's from Melanie Regley of Regley. Missinglink.com. And Melanie asks Are there any resources a small business owner can refer to when trying to understand what is good value for such services as copywriters, SEO, marketing providers, etc.? Again, I would ask other business owners, Melanie, what they're paying and getting in return. And I would join the tribe, the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe, uh, which is the free Facebook group I am running over there. Rachel Saliba of Practically Learning, a family engagement consultant and coach, asks, Timbo, how can I more effectively reach my target audience? Oh, that's a good question. School principals in in particular, when they are already bombarded with emails and promotions from consultants. Uh, Rachel, be crystal clear on their biggest problem and how you can solve it. So it goes back to personalizing your approach, okay? So that's Stu Hynek interview uh, in episode 482. I have also interviewed a couple of business owners that have been very successful at approaching school principals. Cat and Bodie from the Breath Project and Ben Newsom of Physics Education. Businesses that make their money presenting at schools and they are doing a really successful job at it. And they will explain exactly how to do that, Rachel. Now, (laughs) this next question is from Ben Miniatoli, a long time listener, a good mate who's been with us for almost day one. He owns Geelong Cable Locations. Now, Ben likes to write. And if I could show you the email he sent me, it's got 11 questions, and they're all long. Now, Ben, you know I have a short attention span, so you're naughty, and I'm only choosing one, because I can't do all of them. And Ben asks, those of us who listen to you every single week have gotten used to how much you detest social media, especially Facebook, Insta, etc. Despite your use of social media, maybe because we listen to you each week, you possibly tend to share a little bit about yourself each week. So we have all gotten to know you and your family over the years. However, now that we are in episode 500 and you said we can ask you anything, can you share one private thing about yourself that none of your friends know about you? Well, Ben, I am buddy. And I've chosen this question out of 11 that you've sent because I think it's important that we talk about this. I suffer from anxiety. And it has been with me all my life, all my life. Like I can trace it back to a young bloke in grade one at primary school feeling anxious that my mum wasn't going to pick me up that afternoon. (laughs) I can laugh now. And I sort of have to continue to laugh because anxiety can be a bitch and it can stop you from doing what you do. But over the years, I have managed to live with it. I wish I could get rid of it altogether. But, and many of my friends don't know this, it's not something I go and, you know, poor Timbo, I've got anxiety and I'm feeling really anxious, but it is there. I meditate a lot. The ocean swimming has been a game changer. I acknowledge that it's just part of the human condition. I don't medicate it. I've tried that and it just makes you sleepy. And I also just go, well, you know, it is part of me. And sometimes um, it gets in the way. And sometimes when there hasn't been a show for weeks, it's because I've just been, you know, it's not the black dog because I don't consider it to be depression, but just, you know, it just gets in the way sometimes. Now, the reason I share that, because it is personal, but I think in this day and age, we should be talking about that a lot more. And particularly as someone who represents small business owners, I know a lot of you suffer to varying degrees of mental from mental illness. That's just again, that's part of the human condition. Some of us have got skin conditions. Some of us have got broken legs or whatever it is, you know. And it's just part of being human. But if you do suffer a mental illness, talk about it. Right? Don't stop hiding behind it. Stop letting it get in the way and open up because I tell you what, talking about it to others frees you and makes life just that little bit easier. And it's, you're not hiding a secret anymore. Okay. And if you're doing it really hard, please call Lifeline. Please go and seek some professional help, but know that it is just part of being human and life does go on. So Ben, there you go, mate. I bet you didn't expect that. And, uh, I hope that has helped continue the conversation amongst small business owners because I think it's a really, really important thing to do. Next question. Joel Keane of Botigo. Timbo, hope you're keeping well uh, during these times. Question for your 500 show, if a business had to change its name, what do you think the best approach would be to market this name change to the current customers? Um, just tell them ahead of time, Joel, and once done, include on your marketing communications previously known as, you know, whatever your previous business name was. Have good reason to change it. Choose a name that you absolutely love and then get on with putting the energy into that name because that's what's going to make it special. As I say, after all, Apple used to be a piece of fruit. Next question, Craig Helmers. Craig, another long-time listener. Oh, I love hearing from you guys. Seriously, seriously, seriously love it. In fact, Craig, um, he's been at a couple of events that I've emceed um, and bought me a coffee up in my hometown only just recently. Two questions, Timbo. If you were starting a service business today and had 500 bucks a month to spend on marketing, what would you spend it on? And what free initiatives would you activate? I'm not going to answer the 500 bucks a month question. I've, I've sort of done that. We've gone, you know, 300, 1,000, but free initiatives, it just makes me want to remind everyone that you need a lead magnet on your website. Most small businesses, if not all, should be building an email database. So on your website, have a form that asks for people's email address, maybe their mobile phone number, but the more you ask for, the less people are going to sign up. And in return, give them something of high perceived value to them and low cost to you. So that could be an ebook. It could be a video series that solves their problems that you know they have. It could be a free 30 minute consultation, whatever it may be, but activate that free initiative and Build that database. Because here's the thing: most people are only, are only going to go to your website once, twice, three times, and then they're done because they've done their research. But if you can collect their contact information, you can have an ongoing conversation with them after that. Okay? That's email, that's where email marketing comes into play. So that's what I would do there, Craig. Thanks for your question, buddy. Margie McCumstey of Metamorphous Ceremonies. I think she's a marriage celebrant. She asks, I am currently putting out new episodes of my podcast on the 10th, 20th, and 30th of each month. I see that you have changed the regularity of your episodes over time. What is the sweet spot? I don't think there is necessarily a sweet spot, Margie, but set an expectation with your listeners up front. If it's a weekly show, make it a weekly show. If it's a six-part series tell people it's a six-part series and then deliver on that expectation okay the sweet spot for me I've found is every Thursday I put an episode out I try to and the reason I've chosen Thursday and I've tried various days of the week is it's it's leading into the weekend and I just have some reason to feel that podcast listening is pretty high on the weekends as people go about their house chores they're going to the gym more they're going for walks they're down the beach or the That type of stuff. So set an expectation, Margie, and continue to deliver on it. This one is from Roy Simpson of Wedding Styling Sydney. And Roy asks, What are your thoughts on how people are currently using their time online during COVID? Hmm, A very timely question. Uh, Obviously, all the answers I've been giving so far don't necessarily recognize COVID because this podcast is going to be around a long time post COVID. But during COVID, Roy, it's an awesome time to do a marketing review. Delete what's not working, right? First of all, put all your marketing touch points on a wall. Print your website, put it on the wall, your brochures, your business card, your signage, your uniform, every marketing touch point that you have. Delete what's not working. Get rid of it. It's time. Improve on what is working. Maybe it's time to re- review the copy on your website. Upgrade, you know, improve your logo. Look at your brochures. Are they still working? Are the messages still current? It's an awesome time to review your entire suite of marketing touch points. Ring and ring your customers, past and present. What I've noticed during this time of COVID 19 is that we're going back to basics it's a village, there's a village community feel, people are being more helpful and welcoming, you know, and it's time to reach out to people without any salesy spiel. It's just, how are you going? How's business? Is there anything I can help you with in these times? You know, so just do that. I just think, you know, whilst it's a terrible time that we're experiencing in the world, we've got to make the most of it. And this is a time to slow down, and review things, albeit I hope your business is going really well. I know some of you are really struggling, but it is a time to stop, smell the roses, and do a bit of a review. Steve Witt, oh, Steve Witt from the UK, not just travel.co.uk. He's got an awesome business, long-time listener. Steve asks, was there one marketing idea which blew you away more than any other? Excellent question, Steve, and again, not one answer, but here's some. Josh Nichols from Platinum Electricians. It was one of my most popular episodes. I didn't mention it earlier, but when I say popular, it's not necessarily popular in terms of downloads, but the amount of people that email me about that episode is incredible. Josh owns a large electricians franchise in Australia, and he's got a 21-step customer mantra, which every one of his Sparkies must adhere to when they go on site. Brilliant way of creating a customer experience. The Tom Dis, uh, Tom Dixon extreme product demonstration with his blenders was awesome. Recently, interviewing Seth Godin. I mean, that was a pretty incredible thing. In fact, Craig Helmers, one of the past people who asked a question, he was the guy who was instrumental in getting me in front of Seth. And that advice Seth had when I asked him about, if you don't know who Seth is, he's probably one of the world's leading marketing experts, written so many books. His wife owns the most popular gluten-free bakery in New York. And he said, and I quote, it's not for everyone, but it just might be for you. And I think that's an awesome way of looking at your business. You don't have to be for everyone. Arthur Greeno from Chick-fil-A, which is a chicken franchise like Red Rooster in the States. His marketing strategy was all about breaking world records and getting PR as a result. Um, Jay Bayer, who wrote the forward for my book, The Boomerang Effect, he, the interview I did with him was all about hugging your haters. He has this whole spiel and principle about identify the people who don't like what you do and, sh- and love them. And then you can turn around, uh, turn them around so that they can be advocates of your business. Uh, Tom O'Toole from Beechworth Bakery, he talked about studying happiness I think there should be a lot more happiness in this world, particularly now during these uncertain times, but Tom's business is built on happiness. And Dan Fagella, he shared an amazing email marketing strategy. What he'd done was that he identified what Sports, Sports Illustrated magazine had done from an email marketing point of view, deconstructed it, and then applied it to his business. And he, he steps us through that. And as a result of that, he sold his business for a seven-figure amount. Pretty cool, huh? We are at the Last Question team. Pretty exciting. Episode 500 and all. Had to come to an end at some point. It's from Tim Nutman of healthmagic.com.au. And he asks, Timbo, give us an update on Luke Moulton. (laughs) Possibly in person or voice on what he's up to. Well, for those of you who don't know who Luke is, he was my co-host for the first 80 episodes of this show. He saw no value in continuing with it and went off to do other things, but we are still great mates and we have a lot of we had a lot of fun. Now, in terms of finding out what Luke is up to, I think that's an excellent question. Whilst I do know, I think we're better off asking him. So, so let's give him a ring. He's not expecting this. Ring. How are you, Timbo? <laughs> How'd you know it was me?
0: Because <laughs> you said you'd be calling <laughs> between 12 and 2.
1: <laughs> You're not meant to say that. You're meant to be surprised.
0: Right. I, <clears throat> it sounds to me like you've got your podcast voice
1: on. Is this. Oh, this here been, we go. Is this being recorded? Here we go. <laughs> uh, it, it, it is actually. I, I'll warn you up front. It is being recorded. What's my, what's my podcast voice sort of like coming at you? <laughs> if he can't turn you on, you got no switches. Mate, mate. I am recording, and I am recording episode five hundred. And a it would be remiss of me not to have you ever so for ever uh, ever so brief period on this episode. But also, listener Tim Nutman has asked. What's Luke up to? <laughs> like, <laughs> there, there are people out there who care, mate. I think it's
0: awesome. Oh, isn't that nice? Yeah. well, I'm, I'm, I'm very flattered, mate. Thank you.
1: Ah, oh, your little rosy cheeks are even rosier, even though I can't see you. <laughs> so, buddy. Um, well, uh, first of all, um, what are you up to these days? What? Are, like, what not, am not, I up to not, not right now. Like, you're probably sitting in your tracky decks on your couch, you know, sipping on a Red Bull or something. <laughs> but. <laughs>
0: Well, what am I up to these days? Well, um, gee, I, when, I, I think I disappeared from SBBM <laughs> back at uh, what, episode 86? 80. 80? 80? Yes. Um, which I don't even know what year that was, but it's probably five, at least five or six years ago. Uh, anyway, since then, um, so I was a essentially an online marketing consultant. Uh, oh, I uh, ended up creating a very niche uh, Facebook Ads application, which was kind of my little side project.
1: Called um, called. Give it a plug, mate. There's, this, there's, called, there's three people <laughs> listening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> called Leadsync.me, and it's um it's very niche because it basically. It deals with a certain type of Facebook ads format called a lead ad format. And
1: it's actually, listen, it is going really, really well for Luke and deservedly so because Lukey, you were the wind beneath my wings uh, in those first <laughs> 80 episodes and continue to be, you're a great mate. Uh, and what I always loved about our on-air relationship is that you were the mechanic, you're under the hood, you know, you 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 know, you love to get into the minutiae of Google AdWords or whatever it may be at the time and I'd sort of float over the top just trying to you know f- figure out what was going on but we had a lot of fun mate I must say in those first 80 episodes and you clearly didn't did, you clearly didn't see the value in going on but um fortunately oh, I it didn't, was that, that oh was no that, no no you don't that, have to no, no, just, no. No, no, no.
0: <laughs> I think that was around the time I actually went and started working for the man um and I got quite busy so that's ah, that's why I gave
1: up the you got a job at the
0: time I
1: got a job, J-O-B. Uh, and you were on just on break even for a number of years after that, I think, weren't you? Ah, <laughs> uh, buddy. Right. Uh, mate, I could talk to you for another 30 seconds, but we must go. It's been an absolute pleasure knowing you and, uh, you know, don't go changing, will you? Oh, I mate. In, in fact, I mean, people are going to be able to reconnect with you on the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe, which is the free Facebook group. So um, we'll see you in there a bit more, mate.
0: Indeed, i am answer there.
1: Now, Luke, I'm using a very fancy system to call you, so can you please hang up because I don't know how <laughs> to. <laughs> no worries, mate. Take care. See you, buddy. See ya. Well, there you go. That is what Lukey, Lukey, Lukey is up to, and he was. It was great. I really enjoyed doing the show with him. Well, team, that almost wraps up episode 500 of the award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. What about that? All I've got left to say is thank you. Because this show, and here we go, insert cliche, but sometimes cliches are there for a reason. Um, This show wouldn't exist if it wasn't for you. Uh, I love the fact that sometimes you get inspiration from an episode. I love the fact that you continue to listen. I love the fact that you email me, some of you email me. But most of all, I love the fact that you inspire me. You are amazing people, you small business owners. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I hope you're getting through this COVID-19 crisis okay. If you're not, be sure to speak to others and you know look after yourself, number one. But you are the wind beneath my wings, not just Luke, but all of you. Uh, and keep on doing what you're doing. Until next week, I am Timbo Reid. Thanks for tuning in for the last 500 episodes. Here's to 500 more. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now. And don't forget to wash your hands. Oh, we made it. What a big episode. Hey, before we wrap things up, just a reminder that you'll find plenty more episodes on the Podcast One Australia app. Plus my entire archive full of ideas to grow your business over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. If you're getting value from listening, and I do hope you are, then don't keep it a secret. Be sure to let other business owners know about this podcast. Coming up over the coming weeks and months, we'll hear from some amazing business founders, in fact, if there's someone you'd like me to interview, then hit me up through my website over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. This podcast was presented by me, Timbo Reid, produced by Matt Dwyer. Until next week, thanks for tuning in. Now, get out there and take some action.